Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Good morning Mon. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better than I was. Yeah, you, you sound like a little bit different, just <coughs> tiny, tiny difference there in tone. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, I would have sounded a whole lot different if I would have been here yesterday. yesterday so, yeah. <laughs> do you want to guess what I'm thankful for? <laughs> you go on. My wife is back. <laughs> okay, I would have thought you said that your you know your health is improved. Yeah, yeah that sure. too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That too. Well, guess what I'm grateful for. She's been away <laughs> for a few days, and she's now back. Oh yeah, she's um back from her little cruise, her first ever cruise. Yeah, I hope she's had fun. She can tell us all about it next week on the radio. But yeah, guess what I'm grateful for. What? I know the obvious answer that you're you're back on the radio, but actually I'm grateful because my box is arriving from Africa today and I'm super duper excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to hang it's out here big... at the studio until it arrives. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm also excited that you're back, Lyle, well, but I'm also excited <laughs> about my box from Africa. <laughs> yeah, I think you're more excited about your box. Um, so um, if you're hanging out here until the box arrives, then... You could be here all day. Maybe just 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 no, just, given Mon, me a just, just 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 wait. Just wait. Just pick <laughs> it up on Monday. It'll no, be fine. No, no, no. They give me a window, but you know, I could just stay on radio all day. Just you know, keep our listeners updated about you know when the boxes arrive. Why not? Why? <laughs> I'm not? sure they're super interested in yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> enthralling radio. Every right few there. minutes, I'd be like, it has not yet arrived. <laughs> <laughs> you need an app so you can track it while it drives down the street. I would love that. But yeah, no, I actually, actually went with it um, really great. Um, anyway, let's just stop talking about the box. I'm so excited. I can't even think straight. I'm so excited to unpack it and like give everyone their souvenirs that I brought back. It's the most fun thing about bringing back souvenirs. It's actually giving them to the person you have. Do you know, I buy so many souvenirs that when I, when I go traveling now, I actually have a, a notes, um, app on my phone and in my notes I have to keep track of who I bought what for because if I don't when I go home and I'm like unpacking my stuff and I'll pull something out and be like who on earth did I buy this for why did I even buy this <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there something for me in the box mom yes Lyle this <laughs> anyway great show coming up probably a scar <laughs> This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. From the heart of the Father comes the desire that all of the nations be saved. From the lips of Messiah, we have the promise, behold I am with you always. Across the streets we will go, we will go, we will go, to the people who have called this place their home. Across the oceans we will fly, leaving worldly gain behind to hear the Savior's praise away across the globe. We will go. Fearful and trembling, we 
we go remembering the gospel is mighty to save. Across the streets and we will go, we will go, we will go to the people who have called this place their home. Across the oceans we will fly, leaving worldly gain behind to hear the Savior's praise awake across the globe. We will go. Come, lift up your eyes. The harvest fields are shining, shining. The time has come, let us arise. For heaven's judge is soon returning. The time has come, lift up your eyes. The harvest fields are shining, shining. The time has come, let us arise, for heaven's judge is soon returning. We won't go, we won't go, we won't go. place their home across the oceans we will fly leaving worldly gain behind to hear the savior's praise awake across the globe welcome back everybody that was uh, ricky smith and nikki chiswell with across the streets you're listening to faith fm and we are launching into our first clue for the quiz for this friday do you know, I was thinking to myself, let's do an easy one because Lyle's sick and his brain's fuzzy. And then I thought, do you know what? Nah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nothing like kicking a guy when he's down, yep. right? And I got two shoes on. So let's do it. Okay. Who am I? This is a Bible character. First clue is this I am the son of Zippor and the king of Moab. I am the son of Zippor. And the king of Moab. Give me a call if you know who that is. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. You can text your guesses 0491-064-669. If you have it right, I'm going to send you a prize. If you have it right before Lyle has it right, I'm going to send you two prizes. Lyle looks just utterly blank. Mm. Blankety blank, blank, blank. Look at that. I'm thinking all of my... uh, All all of of the... (coughs) Moabite characters in the Bible, and I'm not coming up with an answer. That's good. I'm pretty determined to give away double prizes today. Like. <laughs> All right, do some research, guys. Do some research. If there ever was a chance, while well, you're sick, is it? 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you can figure this one out. Lyle, I've got some really cool news. Okay. I think you're going to be very impressed with this. Mm-hmm. It's about millennials. Okay. Uh, and I know that's, you know... A bunch of people just rolled their eyes automatically. That's it. <laughs> upon hearing the word. Uh-huh. That's an eye roll <laughs> word right there. But dude, they have got one up on us in a big way right now. Check this out, dude. They've just done a survey of millennials and found that their relationship to food is more unique than that of any previous generation. In other words, they're a bunch of gluttons. No, completely the opposite. Oh. In fact, more than 40% of millennials have changed their diet because it's better for the environment. 
this this is like the this is the result of education and uh and this is we're now um reaping the rewards of it so almost six in ten of them so about 75 percent currently subscribe to a special diet of some description right um and for those of those who do follow a special diet 44 of them do percent do so because it's better for the environment while 37 say it's more ethical so they're actually thinking yeah, okay. it, like coming at it in a moral perspective, yeah. which is really good. Uh-huh. So I've got a bunch of stats here, and they're extremely interesting. Um, you know, so they, they did this survey. Uh, they looked at the trends and spends for millennial millennial diets, examining their tastes and must-haves when it comes to food. Um, this is interesting. Millennials reportedly devote about a month and a half every year to food which is the equivalent of 1,140 hours. So this is time spent uh, prepping meals, cooking, um, eating out, so all those kind of things. So anything food-related, a month and a half solid. So do millennials cook more than Y-Gens? Um, it didn't specify that. I wonder who the uh, biggest consumer of like TV dinners is. That's a good, good question. I wonder which generation. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so the results found that millennials spend... Um, uh, this is in US dollars, $2,242 at the supermarket, uh, $1,672 um, at dining out over the course of a year, which is averaging about $187 to $139 per month, respectively. Um, and they also try an average of 46 new foods, which I, th- I thought was quite surprisingly adventurous, but I think that might be a result. 46 of av- new foods, what, per year, per month, per week, per, per year. day? Per year. Per meal? No, per year. Per no, year. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I yes. think it's two out of foods if you're trying them per meal. Um, <laughs> I wonder how you define new foods. Like, is that a new vegetable you've never had before? Yeah, I think it's... Or is that a new dish? Because if it's a new dish, then... Yeah. No, I think they'd all be new foods. Yeah. Because th- a lot of... Like, if you think about it, I, I, I reckon that those 46 is heavily influenced by marketing. Like, you know, how many times of like, you know, like at the moment, charcoal is really big. You can find charcoal in your toothpaste, in your toothbrush, in, you know, your, your, your bread and your shampoo and your shoes and everything nowadays. And so, um, you know, you go to a lot of restaurants, they have like charcoal infused noodles and all this kind of stuff. You know, like quinoa is dying off now. Quinoa had its moment in the sun and, uh, and coconut oil was huge for a while. And, uh, it's, and so I think when these trends hit that's when there must be like a splurge of new foods being tried i don't think charcoal's a food it's edible that it's a medicinal it a product no people have been using it in gourmet cooking i literally really dude i literally went to the bakery and bought a charcoal it has no flavor it has zero flavor there's yeah, no, no flavor no, no. in charcoal it just adds, adds an element makes it black of surprise people like to have black and apparently food. they'll sell it to you as being healthier because it is medicinal whether or not it's medicinal oh, yeah. in a cooked state is another question <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I think, I, I think it probably is. I don't know that it would actually change it that because, I mean, it's come out of a fire. So went, it's obviously been hotter than the... I went to a bakery and I bought a uh, a bun, a charcoal bun. So it was black, like, let imagine black bread. And it had, like, cut open and it had, like, a little um, a patty, veggie patty and some spring rolls and stuff. And so it was really cool because it was black with some green on it. And it looked aesthetically very pleasing. Taste-wise, there. No, because it's flavourless. Because it's flavourless, right. It's just gritty. Although it wasn't... The, the bun wasn't in any way gritty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Um, millennials also uh, purportedly make 17 tweaks or changes to their diet per year. 17 tweaks. Ooh, wow. That's a lot. It's more than once a month. Uh, with the top changes found to be eating healthier foods. <laughs> that's 46, 46% of the changes. Uh, 41% was avoiding sugar and carbs. And 36 of them, bless their hearts, focusing more on plant-based foods. 
So not going totes vegan, but focusing more on plant-based foods. It's like trying to incorporate more vegetables in their life. Um, that's in addition to the one-third of participants who've cut down on their meat consumption. 34% trying to cut down meat. I applaud them. That's amazing. Good on them. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yep, uh-huh. Yes. One of the best things you can do for your health. Exactly. And for the environment, it's really, really great. Um, so in a year, uh, millennials will... Well, a year in food for millennials also includes about 41 dinner parties and eating out 90 times, which is apparently split evenly between friends and uh, between going on dates, which is really not split for me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we could solve that. Um, 1-800-324-8. But still, not all millennials are choosing to eat out. So apparently a lot of them hold back from eating out more often because of a lack of time. The 37% said because of lack of time. And a 37% say like a, like a money, while 42% of them say they actually just prefer eating at home because they eat healthier when they cook for themselves, which mm-hmm. is the, something that I'm definitely agreeing with. Um, so 74% of those who said they're on a special diet say they find it difficult to eat at restaurants, and I think this is terrible. Uh, 59% of respondents say they feel like there's a judgment in, to ordering and buying foods that subscribe to a special diet. And you do sort of get that... Um, that sort of scowl from like the waiter and the eye roll, like when you say, actually, can I, you know, can you take out the meat or something like that? And, uh, you know, the chef's not going to be happy about it because they just, chefs just like to make things as is written on the menu. They hate to do um, changes in the kitchen. And when they do it to them, it's a pain in the bum. Um, I think they sort of lose focus on the fact that, hey, they're being paid yeah. money to okay. make food. Okay, but having said that, can you. Uh, how much vegetarian food can you get in a restaurant these days? It's like a, a decent list in just about every restaurant you go to of vegetarian food. Yeah. Whereas I remember back in the day when you went into any kind of restaurant, you actually had to say, can I have this without the meat? Yeah. Well, do you know what? We think that's the... I mean, that's coming from, you know, being a vegetarian from, you know, back in the 90s. Yeah. There are still restaurants that are holding out. Like I think I just told you and producer Shell just a couple of weeks ago, I went to a, um, a pie shop um, recently and they literally, in a pie shop like a tuck shop kind of situation, did not have a single vegetarian pie option except for the apple pie. Yeah, that's pretty slack. And maybe, yeah, that's, maybe, that's inc- for maybe, Australia in 2019, I was gobsmacked. They didn't even have a, a cheese and spinach option. Maybe that speaks to the kind of people who buy pies more than... I love pies. They're my favourite. Anyway, anyway, uh, 74% of the... Oh, sorry, hang on. So... Uh, it, uh, oh, here we are. So when millennials prepare food at home, they find inspiration from a variety of sources. So their friends, parents, cookbooks, um, and beating out more modern methods, which actually beats out more modern methods of finding foods on social media, which I was quite surprised at because I look at blogs when I don't want um, recipes. Um, but these are the changes that millennials have made in their, to their diet in the past year. They've tried to eat healthier foods. They've avoided sugar and carbs. They've focused more on plant-based foods. They had alcohol-free weeks or months. Nice. Amen, not just a day. They've cut down on meat consumption. Um, their pro- top priorities are cost, must be full of nutrients, and no artificial additives. Uh, and if they can't afford it, they prefer stuff to be organic or plant-based. Um, and the reasons they've been doing all this is because, number one, it's healthier for their body. Number two, it, they're working to lose weight. Three, they have concerns about health problems and illnesses. Number four, better for the envir- environment and it's more sustainable. And five, it's more ethical. Those are the top five reasons why millennials are choosing to And I'm glad to the top three of them are health-based. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, some of these ethical greenies are um, just become a pain in the neck for everybody. 
Well, good on you for making those decisions, millennials. We applaud you and uh, we encourage you to keep going. Be healthier, be more sustainable. It's just better all around.
Welcome back, guys. You listen to Faith FM. That was Anders Svensson with I Met the Saviour. And we're about to have another clue for our quiz. I'm going to try and figure it out this time. The last clue gave me absolutely nothing. So what have you got for us there, Mon? Okay, who am I? I feared that all Moab was going to be defeated by Israel. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Yay! I've got two prizes here. One of them is a massive, well, they're both massive, actually. I've got a big, big um, book selection here. The Great Controversy by E.G. White. Uh, this is a really great edition by the Science Publishing Company. Um, one of the most oh, incredible books. Uh, Lyle has it correct, sorry. I got there. I got you there. You got there. Did you cheat? Did you look over my shoulder? Uh, you think my eyes are that good? Yes. And there's pretty fine print. Oh, hang on. You wear glasses. No, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, a great, uh, great controversy, uh, really amazing book, life changing book. This book is going to absolutely turn your world upside down. Uh, give us a call if you think you know the answer to the prize. You can win yourself a copy of that. I was going to chuck in a Bible, but now that Lyle knows the answer, there's no double prizes. Ah, oh, well, next time. You got to be quick. You got to, you got to, you got to jump on there. You got to start doing your Listen research. Go on. You got to be quick, guys. You no, gotta you got to do your research. Find out. Find out who this might be. Anyway, did you? You googled it, didn't you? I did not. <laughs> the only reason I believe that is I'm not 100% sure that you would know how to Google. Okay, we're going to share a story this morning about... <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Koei Rogue. Koei what now? Rogue. He's a bit of a rogue. Is he now? Yes, he's from New Zealand. Oh. Um, have you... Of course, they're all rogues in New Zealand. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have punch-ups in the car park today. <laughs> I think it's actually the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but this guy is a bit of a rogue, been in and out of jail for a lot of his life, um, and a member of the Mungrel Mob. You familiar with the Mungrel Mob? I've never heard of such a thing. They sound like a joke. They are not a joke. They are actually the complete opposite of joke. They are a vicious, brutal, um, one of the worst gangs um, in New Zealand. And, of course, a lot of them come from you know Polynesian backgrounds with a, with a warrior culture. Wow. And you know how that goes, and combine that with um, organised crime. The mongrel mob are a um, have a have a history and a reputation of being, yeah, some scary, just terrible, terrible people. And Not this guy has got big old Nazi tattoos on either side of his face. Ooh. Uh, but he is using a Facebook group that has more than a hundred thousand followers to promote something. Guess what he might be promoting. <gasps> Uh, organized crime? Healthy eating. What? You were not expecting that, were you, Mike? I'm still not expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're about to tell me you're joking, right? Okay, so he is a part of the Hales Kitchen Facebook page, um, which has nearly reached 110,000 members and described itself as the mightiest cooking show in the nation, uh, showing videos promoting healthy cooking while discouraging people from using meth. What so this is, this, this is a guy who um, has obviously you know been addicted to methamphetamines. Good um, on him. He has I love uh, it. been in and out of jail, and he's, and, he, and he's come out, and he's become a father, and he's like, you know what? I'm putting that behind me. Yeah, eat your vegetables. So he's going to make eat a, meth. That's right. Love it. Yep, absolutely. Stay away from takeaways and cook fresh at home. Help our family um, away from diabetes and obesity. So I'm guessing this guy is no longer Just part this of the mongrel um, <clears throat> well, who knows? Oh, oh, it's like that. One of those yeah, kind of I, societies. I see. I see. He, he did argue that the mongrel mob has actually done good things in the community for decades. Like what? Despite some members doing bad things. Oh, goodness. So anyway, 
that's the that's that's the other side of the story. Good on him though. But uh, yeah, I think this is yeah. really positive, and and um, he's been doing really well at it. He's got uh, you know they they do their videos, they go out in the community, they they, they become a um, uh, a role model, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <clears throat> and he's like, you know, you you live healthier, you have uh, greater lives, and of course, he used to eat all of his food, you know, fast food, takeaways, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which is not particularly um, a cheap way to eat, mm-hmm. but um, you know, when it comes to the bottom end of fast food, yeah, that can be, I guess, cheaper in some ways. But uh, he said that, um, not yeah, he learned to cook about three years ago after he kicked his drug addiction. Bless his heart. Yeah, and want to spread spread the message about cooking food and not drugs. Amen. Amen. I love it. That's a great song. And do you know what's so great about this? I love that it's coming from their own community. Like someone in their yeah, community that's right. has gone, do you know what? I'm going to change, my, change where I am. I'm going to change my own backyard. I'm going to change my people. <clears throat> anyway, I thought that story would go along well with... Um, with your story that you were sharing here just a moment ago. Yeah, it's great. Okay, we've got a bunch of other stories uh, dealing with the environment. Um, an upmos- the upper atmosphere above Antarctica has had a, had a sudden stratospheric warming. Oh. So it has, in two days, the temperature has gone up by, cop this, above Antarctica, mm-hmm. it's climbed by 40 degrees. What? It's only ever been observed once and that was once in the past and that was in 2002 and every and, and and that time it resulted in terrible drought across Australia. Of course we are in the grip of terrible drought right, right now and that event was not as catastrophically stratospheric as this one. So was this like a momentary temperature change or like a It's still climbing. Oh. So it's been happening for it's into its third day now and still climbing. Oh no. Um there have been blips in the past, and every time there's sort of been a a, um, a sudden warming, but not you know not as not on this scale that it actually classifies as a uh, something you would describe. Um, it has always resulted in drought, and of course Australia is in the grip of the worst drought that it has ever experienced, and uh, yeah, so that uh, is happening in Antarctica right now. It will be interesting. Um, to see what happens, but yeah, it's a little bit of a worry. Mon, have you ever drunk sewage? Dude, no. Yes, you have. Dude, no. Yes, you have. No. Uh-huh. Not. Yep. You've been to the not. Netherlands, right? I have been to the Netherlands. You do realise when you drink a glass of water in the Netherlands that the water in that glass has already been through uh, digestive tracts eight times on average. I didn't drink water in the Netherlands. I only drank hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, which has water in it. Okay, so this is uh, Melbourne is coming up has, has, has got this idea that's described as a bold new idea. They're going to recycle water. You know, this is the dumbest thing ever. They need a bold new pipeline. Is what they need. <clears throat> let me let me tell you what's the dumbest thing. Diesel. Okay. Okay, so if you take diesel, mm-hmm. what you've got to do is you've got to take ocean water, which is full of fish poo and fish urine and mm. sewage and everything else and full of salt and minerals and use a massive amount of coal-fired energy to turn it into fresh water. Yeah. Whereas if you take sewage, that has a very much lower um, you know, consumption of energy to turn it into drinking water. But Australians are like, oh, we're not going to – they're too grossed out by it and so we destroy our environment by desal rather than recycling water. So this bold new plan that, of course, has been used um, around the world and um, 
<coughs> even gets used in my backyard in Melbourne is that one of their plants that produces uh, 50 million litres of water today uh, per day and pumps it out to sea. And of course, you've got to make it into good water before you can pump it into the sea. You can't just pump raw sewage into the sea. Yeah. Um, they're, they're saying, hey, let's pump this 80 kilometres inland to fill up some of the lakes that have gone dry and I never expected to have water in them again. And let's reinvigorate the Melbourne food bowl, which has just about died. I love that idea. I That's thought you'd like that idea. idea. Let's do it. Why are we even talking about yeah. it anymore? Let's get it done. Absolutely. I mean, it's all 100%. there, and it's just—it's just all. And there, I think there was what 180 different uh, sewage outlets around Australia. Turn them around, face them the other direction. Yep. You know, I do it in my backyard. My my septic system, you know, um, pumps out grey water onto my orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't smell bad. My dog loves to go and bark at it. <laughs> <laughs> And my trees grow really, really well as a result of it. Uh-huh. You know, and it's just it's just recycled water. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily drink that. But in so many countries of the world, what you don't realize is that you're drinking recycled water. You've ever drunk Mount Franklin, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's just tap water. You do know that, right? It's not spring. Really? Yeah. It's bottled tap water. And you pay nah. like five bucks a bottle for it. Nah, I yeah, don't that. <coughs> it is. It is. Nah, it is. I think you've listened to an urban myth there, Lyle. Nah, it's tap water. Nah, and if it's coming, it's probably coming from. Uh, it's probably recycled water anyway. But you know, it's this this water that is so much easier to clean than ocean water, and would take so much less energy. Uh, but hey, even if you don't want to clean it that much, just pump it onto the uh, onto onto the uh, onto the gardens around I the place still and, like the idea and irrigate of the world. Building a pipe from Queensland down to the rest of Australia and just all that water they get. Bring the monsoon to mm-hmm. the south. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're going to have to do something or other because uh, they're saying that Brisbane will soon be an by twenty fifty. It would be a very difficult city to live in because because of the heat that it uh, the, the, the oh. temperature rising and the heat that it creates. Um, yeah, looking at some creative ideas how they can solve that. Anyway, this is the Downing family. Soon we'll be done with the troubles of the world. Going to live with God. No more. No more weeping and wailing. No more. No more weeping and wailing. No more. No more weeping and wailing. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your heart to God saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon.
everybody that was the downing family with jesus coming soon here on faith fm it's come to interview of the daytime but before we do we have another clue for our quiz what have you got for us mon yes who am i i wanted israel cursed because they were too powerful for me okay Give someone from moab who wanted israel cursed i wonder who that might be if you mm. know the answer 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 491 and there will be a prize coming your direction. Joining us in the Smith st- the, let me try that again. Joining us where now? Joining where us now? in the studio this morning. I've been I've, I've got been, a touch of flu there. I've Lyle. been unwell. That's my excuse. <laughs> is a TV celebrity. We don't often get to have TV celebrities in the studio. Gary Kent, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lyle. Great to be here. So, Gary, you are in charge of a TV ministry, so you're um, a media personality here in Australia. What's the name of your, um, your, your TV ministry? Our ministry is called The Incredible Journey. Mm-hmm. We have a half-hour television program on Channel 9 Gem every Sunday morning at 8.30. Wow, fantastic. And you've been doing, you've been doing TV for how many years now? Whoa, let me think. Probably over 10 years now. So uh, it, uh, it stretches back quite a while, Lyle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking back because I was sort of in the, uh, in the region back when you first started in TV. I think it was more than 10 years ago. It is ago. more than 10 yeah, years. Yeah, it's definitely more than 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Fantastic. And I remember back in the day, um, and, and our listeners need to know this, is that uh, um, Gary is a bit of a, a record breaker when it comes to TV, the highest rated religious broadcast in the country. And uh, that first broadcast went to air at a very odd hour of the day. When was that? <laughs> It was odd. It was somewhere between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., if I remember correctly. So. Indeed, indeed. Now, this is the, this is the, uh, this is, I have a question for you, Mon. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched TV on a Sunday morning 
at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know that I've ever been conscious. <laughs> yeah, Sunday correct. morning, three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever. Okay, so so you have to understand this. You have to understand this. Gary had this TV show that went to air about three o'clock on a Sunday morning. And it was the highest rated religious broadcast in the country for years. It was. Praise that's right. Lord. <laughs> yeah. We were all amazed. We were all shocked. And I think the reason is that people would come home after a night on the town and uh, just want to sort of unwind, chill out. And so they'd flick on their television and uh, just sort of surf through and find our program, I guess. I mean, who else is watching television at 3 a.m. on Sunday. Well, back then you were a new player in TV. Um, you were the, you're kind of the new kid on the block and you've got all of your big you know, American uh, religious programs that had the really good slots, you know, Hillsong, they were coming on you um, at, at a, on a prime uh, time similar to what you've got now and your early morning show was still, uh, was still beating them all. I think it amazed all of us. Yeah. Shocked us, surprised us. Okay, a good so, surprise. So what was, <laughs> what was your vision? What was your original vision um, for television and how has that developed to the program that you have now? Because obviously, you know, when you hit the ground running like that, you've got a winning formula. Tell us about it. Well, the idea was to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus, to every home in australia and beyond that was the that was the, the the goal we had when we when we started off and we wanted to make the bible and jesus meaningful to the ordinary person in everyday life so it was trying an attempt to make Christianity meaningful to people. And how did you go about that? Because, I mean, typically when I switch the TV on on a Sunday morning for Hillsong or, you know, whatever else, it's, it's a church service. Were you broadcasting a church service at, at uh, 3 in the we, we decided to try something different. We decided to try to communicate the good news in a narrative way, so through stories. Uh, we felt that storytelling is something that everybody's interested in. When you think about it, every movie's a story. People love stories, and so we decided to focus on stories, use a documentary-style pr- uh, presentation, and uh, to communicate the message through the story. What are some of the What are some of the highlight, I guess, stories that you've covered over the time that have possibly you know had some of the the biggest impacts? Because I remember back when. Uh, I was at the Discovery Center. We used to, um, you know, look after the contacts that were coming through your TV program. And every now and then one of them would come through and it would just absolutely flood us with contacts and requests for information. Well, it, it's interesting to see which programs have have the highest appeal. But some of the programs that, that have been inspiring to me personally, we, we had one just last week on Father's Day which told the the story of uh, the relationship between a a father and his quadriplegic son and how the father discovered that what brought joy to this son's life was to do marathons. Well, of course, the son couldn't run a marathon, and so the father had to basically carry him and push him. And so it was the story of how the father did this, how he sacrificed, how he, how he went through 
all sorts of difficulties to make this a reality and to to bring joy into his quadriplegic son's life. Very inspiring story. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Team Hoyt was the, the they call themselves Team Hoyt. So they they traveled the world running marathons, even doing Ironman. So <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing, but how do inspiring. they even do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, we recently bumped into each other. Uh, kind of randomly in Alice Springs. Um, <laughs> what? Yes, yes. Uh, I turned up at. Were you uh, climbing the rock? Uh, well, we. I didn't actually climb the rock, but we went out to the rock and uh, yeah, produced a program or a series of programs in Outback Australia. Okay, so um, yeah, we yeah, Mon, you would have been surprised. I sort of uh, walked into the. Uh, <laughs> Walked into the kitchen of the accommodation we had there, and there's there's Gary and Robin right there in the kitchen. I'm like, well, there you go, the middle of Australia. Okay, so we were out there for um, a holiday. How many programs did you produce in the Outback? We produced four programs. We produced the first one on Albert Namajira, famous Aboriginal artist. Great story, great inspiring individual uh, with, a, with a wonderful story. Faced many challenges but uh, persevered and overcame them. And he's a household name today, Albert Namajira. Then we did one on, on Ayers Rock itself and the, the Olgas. Uh, when I say Ayers Rock, of course, it's now called Uluru, and even the Olgas have a, have a local name. So uh, we went out there and produced a program, a program on, on these iconic locations for, yeah. for Australians. Okay, so... Uh um, Albert Namajira, I think his home is what just near, just outside of Hermansburg, from memory. Correct, that's right. Yeah, we stopped by there on our way through. And uh, what kind of a thing? Okay, so you've got these great stories and great themes. Um, so this is, you know, one of the things I love about it is it's locally made content. So much of what we get is coming out of America, uh, particularly for religious TV. Um, with with these stories, what kind of a religious theme do you attach to a story? Say, for instance, about the Rock. Well, we tell the story of the rock and how it's iconic to Australians and then remind them that we have a rock in our lives as well that mm. can produce security, assurance, safety. And so that's a, the theme that ran through through that program. We did another program while we were out there, Lyle, on Cooper PD, digging for opals underground, <laughs> underground town down there in in uh, the outback of South Australia. And there we're reminding people that we all have access to treasure. And probably the greatest treasure in life is knowing Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior. So we're, we're sharing the, the, the good news of Jesus through these, through these stories. So it'd be, would it be true to say that the greatest treasure you can find underground in Cooper you'd find in one of their underground churches? Well, it's amazing how many underground churches there are in Cooperpedia. It's it's not a huge population there, but there are so many of these underground churches. So it's a reminder that there's more to life than the treasure that we hold as material possessions. Uh, there's there's something deeper. There's something more meaningful, and there's something of far greater value. Yeah, that's fantastic. I I knew that there was. And underground church in Cooper when I went through it, and then I've turned up in, t- in town and sort of you know Google Maps underground church, and all of these churches have popped up. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, which right. one do I go and visit? <laughs> How did some, this happen? Some of them are quite spectacular. Some of them are beautiful. Yeah. These underground churches. Yeah, fantastic. Did you get to uh, 
Did you get to present inside of a inside an underground church? I actually did. Yeah. We we did some 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 stories there and visited these churches and filmed underground. Yeah, they're beautiful. beautiful we have places. we have an amazing country. Get out and, and have a look at our amazing country. There's That's some... true. It's a reminder that just how great and fortunate we are to uh, to live in this great country. Mm, fantastic. Okay, so uh, the your outback series. When when will that go to air? Probably the, the the first ones will start towards the end of this year. It usually takes about six to eight months to to to, to work through the entire the entire process. So. Uh, hopefully the end of this year, early next year. Yeah, fantastic. A little bit, a little bit different to what we do here on radio, where um, I think you are hearing us about half a millisecond after we speak. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Now, Gary, <clears throat> tell us a bit, a little, a, a little bit about your journey of faith, and how was it that you actually came to be in television ministry? I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers, and. Uh, my parents were involved in sharing the good news of of Jesus as well, and so from a from an early age, I I was introduced to Jesus, His Word, the Bible, and uh, that made an impression on me. And when I came to the stage in life where I was making decisions about my own future, uh, the influence of my parents uh, was was powerful. And uh, their example really impressed me when I came to the stage in life where I was wondering, where am I going? What am I going to do? What's the future? Um, And I decided to accept Jesus and, and follow him. And when I made that decision, it made such a difference to my life that I decided, hey, I want to share this as well. And so I became involved in in ministry and sharing the good news of Jesus on a on a full time basis. Went to went to seminary, went to college, um, and then studied further. Went uh, overseas. I had a passion with archaeology. Yeah, I understand you have a uh, um, a master's in archaeology. I do. I yeah. do. I I I when I when I began to read the Bible and study it, I wanted to find out more about it, and so spent a lot of time in the Middle East studying the the locations associated with the Bible, with Jesus, and with Christianity. So that's how I got into it. Uh, it's, it's something that I, that I wanted to share, and I began to use archaeology as a way to introduce people to the Bible and, of course, the, the person of the Bible, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And um with your TV ministry, have you been able to, you know, share archaeologically based stories as a result of having that background? Yes, in yes, we've we've produced programs on subjects like the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, the Rosetta Stone, some of the more recent discoveries that uh, authenticate the Bible story or give us confidence in the reliability of of the Bible. Look, there's so much happening in the Middle East regarding <laughs> archaeology, and there are discoveries being made all the time, literally all the time, because these digs are taking place at prominent Bible locations, and some of these discoveries are just mind-blowing, really. Very sure. exciting. Yeah. I mean, we, find, we hear about, you know, on a, fa- on a semi-regular basis, we hear about archaeological stories that confirm various aspects of the Bible story. Has anything ever been discovered that proves the Bible wrong? Look, not that I'm aware of. 
the 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 discoveries of archaeology confirm the Bible. Uh, sometimes people... And would, I think if there had been one, we would be made very aware of it, wouldn't we? It would be big, big news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. And uh, this the, the ministry that you're running at the moment, um, The Incredible Journey, um, is a somewhat newer um, incarnation of TV ministry for you. How long, have, how long has that one been? We've been operating? running The Incredible Journey now for two years. And uh, it's 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 growing. It's it's making good progress. The incredible journey is basically the story of all of us. We're all on an incredible journey through life. Uh, our destination is eternity, and so this, the the incredible journey is basically telling the story of life and looking for ways to make that journey more interesting, more manageable. And uh, it came from the name, The Incredible Journey, grew out of a program we were doing in Bedford, England, on uh, John Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress. We realized that we're all on a, on, a, on, a, on a journey, on a pilgrimage. And so I decided to take that as the name and to, to build this, this uh, ministry around sharing the good news of Jesus to help us on our journey. Well, yeah. I really want to watch this. I'm like, I'm so intrigued. Where do we find out more information? Where can we go to watch this? Well, we have a website, which is www.tij.tv. And people can go to that website and watch our program um, on demand. We also have a YouTube channel called The Incredible Journey, or where people can watch it on demand. Then we have an email, info at tij.tv or theincrediblejourney.tv. And, of course, we have our, our office right here in Dora Creek. So people can contact us there on our, on our phone number. Yep. So uh, that number is 0481-315-101. Okay, so give us that number again. 0481-315-101. Okay, so that's Gary Kent from The Incredible Journey. Uh, what time on uh, on uh, Channel 9 again? Eight- 9, Jim, 8.30 Sunday morning. 8.30 Sunday morning. Catch Gary Webs- uh, Gary Kent there. I get the right Gary here, haven't I? <laughs> Catch Gary Kent there um, um, on, on a Sunday morning or jump on to uh, YouTube or the website tij.tv. Um, and you can stream the programs from there. We need to move on with the show. This is Jaden Lavik with... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace Through death into life everlasting He passed and we followed there Over us and no more Turn your eyes upon Jesus 
Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Listen. Sydney Wolverton. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior. So Anna Beden. It is also very simple. And Kemi Ogendi. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as three of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413122348 now to book your seat. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Here, when the nations far and near 
shall awake and shall dance sing. Hallelujah, Christ is King. We have this hope that burns within. 